it's just down sort of near there. Uh, we got Roman and uh, Barbara. Barbara's come out of the, uh, yeah, it, from the tank. Yeah, she's come back up. That's good, Barbara. Yeah. We got Atara. Atara, I don't know if I've seen you before. Have we? Hi. Hi, I'm new. Oh, you're new. All right. So we'll, we'll give you a little uh, presentation for the first five minutes. Yeah, just to sort of convey uh, the understanding we're speaking from concerning non-duality. I'm not saying I'm giving you the definition of non-duality. You will give yourself that, but we're going to share your, our understanding of it and then put that as the basis of what we speak about, yeah? So it's very clear. Uh, I'll, I'll start with a statement just to show you the, in time, how the message is sort of layered in a way, yeah? So. Oh shit, Paul, I just muted you accidentally, sorry. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me mute all. Hold on a second. All right. You didn't now no now you're now you're muted again. I mute yourself. Right. Sorry. Sorry. Jesus, I beat Mike to the switch there. He didn't he didn't see it was happening already. But let me get back to Atari if I can. Uh if I can see her. So Atara, now can you you can hear me, yes? So the we're not using the term Advaita here, we're using the term non-duality. So non-duality, non means not, yes? And duality means two. So basically, non-duality is really a negation of something else, which is duality, yeah? And uh, most people would, in a weird way, they hope they could be in non-duality and they find themselves in duality. That's not the case. There's no person in duality. There's duality projecting a person, so to speak, yes? This idea of being an individual that's in something and can get out of it and then enter something else is all an aspect of duality that's being negated by the message of non-duality. So there's a very famous master, Ramana Maharshi, who he never, he wrote a book, I think, in his own dialect in India, but most uh, most of the writings about his teachings weren't done by him. It was by people who had followed him and stuff. Yet, if you read his teachings uh, or what the teachings that came through him, he says a few things all the time in different ways. And one of the ways he says this, and he usually prefaces it as the greatest mystery or the problem. Yeah, so... Uh, Coming from there, he makes a statement and says, there's a presupposing of a non-existent thing. So let's say this is the non-existent thing that's being assumed to be existing, yes? So the body is taken to be the ghost, you know, the ghost and the machine are sort of mixed up, yeah? So there's a presupposing of a non-existent thing that's existing, that's what's being presupposed, yeah? And then, and then that non-existing wanting to get salvation for itself. He says, if this is the case, your spiritual practices themselves are reinforcing the non-existent thing, how can they destroy it? Yeah. 
Now, if you hear the second statement first, it's going to be confusing in a way, but it lays on the first statement, which is the assumption of the whole message of non-duality is you are actually what you're looking for, not as how you're construed to be, Paul, a separate, long-lasting, independent person, yeah, but what we are. So what we are is what we're really looking for. And the reason why we're looking for it, because we're not, we're seemingly in the act of being identified as a non-existent thing, in a way, yeah? And then from that point of view, we try to get salvation for the non-existent thing, where actually the salvation is from the non-existent thing, and therefore it's always available because it's non-existing. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's uh, that which you're not wants to get salvation. That which you are is really the salvation from the ignorance of that which you're not, basically. Yeah. So, so that's the first part. So he says, all right, if this is going on, and usually when it is, we don't know it. Yeah. In other words, we're starting at Atari or at Paul, trying to now study non-tuness, which we would call non-duality, but we're studying it as duality. Yeah. <laughs> We'd like to switch that around and speak about what we're not to what we are, so that what we are can hear it finally, because it's always available. Yeah. So you can't miss the target. You just got to get it around Atari or through Paul, not to Atari, not to Paul, but through. Yeah, because Atari and Paul are truly the obstacle uh, that confronts the message. <laughs> the one who wants to get the message is the obstacle of getting the message. <laughs> it's a little tricky one. So, so, so. All right, so if there's this assumption, and it doesn't even say it's a supposing, it says it's a presupposing. So if most of us felt like we were in the process of becoming self, we would probably try to shut that down, yeah? Because we've seen enough people who have seemingly fulfilled that process, and we don't want what they have, you know? We don't want what they have, so we'd rather go another way. But see, the assumption of being a self is already uh, stated to be true. So the only option you have is to get out of self, yeah? And the funny thing is, you're not in self. So you're trying to get out of self is a bigger in self. Don't you see it? Yeah? So if you're trying to, to leave an imaginary place, you're giving the imaginary place reality, yeah? And that's what we do because we are what we're looking for ultimately. And we are giving meaning to things and we are living a world or an experience of seemingly so. Things are appearing to be true or false to us, yeah? Based not on the thing that's appearing, but on us really, yeah? So we're really the dreaming of this whole event. And this is a dreamt. Yeah, this isn't the dreaming of the whole event. This is part of the event called the dreaming. This is the dreamt. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, in a weird way, you're too late if you're starting as the dreamt. The, pro 
the the assumption has sort of taken hold and now you're thinking you're Atari that wants to get to be a bigger, better Atari or get out of Atari or transcend Atari. But there's no Atari to transcend. <laughs> so your practices themselves are actually reinforcing the thing. Therefore, how can they destroy it? That's the, that's the logic of it, yeah? So the logic is built on the first statement. There's an act of being identified as something that you're not, that most of us aren't aware of, yeah? It's very, very fast because it gets reinstated all day because the mental states, when something arises, it claims that whatever arose, an action or a thought or a feeling or a seeing or a hearing or a tasting, whatever it is, whatever it has arisen, it claims to imply it's you somehow. So now the seeing, we, we lose the sense of the verb of seeing and we get a noun object uh, interpretation. Now the emphasis is on the seer and the seen, yeah? Now the seen all day can change, but the seer never does. So the see is constantly getting the most reference, yeah? There'll be a reference to the seen, but the seen is used to refer to the seer. Because there'll be one seer of what all that's been seeing today, there'll be one seer. This is the bondage and the repetition and the reinforcement and the presupposing and the insinuation of being the doer, the thinker, the feeler, the seer, the taster, the toucher. It's mechanical. It's going on every all day. You don't have to be at the its effects, but without knowing it, you usually are, yeah? Without knowing it, you usually are at its effects. You, if you see it, that bondage to the effects gets severely weakened. And now you can sort of travel lighter as that which you used to travel very heavy, very heavy as, yeah? And not by anything you did, just by what you saw, yeah? When you see what you're not, there's a, a very, very strong tendency to lose interest in it, tell you the truth. Because usually the interest is bound to the idea it's about you. When it's not about you, there's a loss of interest in it. (laughs) There is. And that's how, in a weird way, the loss of interest is the indication that the bondage of self has weakened severely. You're just not that interested in it. (laughs) Thoughts Thoughts from eight years ago don't stand a chance of a hummingbird appears. You're much more interested in seeing the hummingbird than going over a thought about eight years ago. <laughs> That's what happens. When there's the obsession or bondage of self, you seem not to even see the hummingbird because you're up the ass of self concerning eight years ago. Yeah? It's an embellishment, but it's true. That's how it goes. So suddenly... You don't work at being available, you're available. Like my, uh, my girlfriend has a lot of young kids, had four kids. So of course, so every time she talks to me, she says, listen, and I say, I am listening <laughs> because I'm here, you know what I mean? <laughs> she goes, listen, because she sees me as her kid, but I am here, I'm listening. So you don't have to, all right, get ready to listen, I'm listening. Because that's all I can do. Yeah, I'm awake. 
I'm hearing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, smelling. Get on with it, you know. <laughs> I'm not in a state of non-listening. <laughs> and then I have to try to seem to volitionally choose to listen. Then it's just listening, you know. I mean, you're going to see the thing is, it's not about, there is a difference between hearing and listening. There is, yeah. I mean, when, when you're conscious, you're going to hear the sounds of your environment. Yeah. Listening is different. Listening is sort of directed hearing. Yeah. And if the hearing is directed by the mental state, it comes along with a lot of biases and fucking projections and uh, a lot of other shit come along with it. The hearing is sort of virgin. It's beautiful in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's just hearing of a hummingbird, and then there's some you hear something else and something else and something else, something else, yeah. So uh well that's the begin that's the beginning of the presentation. So the reason why because of what's going on, the reason why satsang to me is mostly about warnings, yeah, is because of the re why uh, because of what's going on. Yeah. If you were obviously a lion, let's say in this example, and you are, then I could I wouldn't I wouldn't think you'd have to go to like a month long retreat to have someone chant at you. You're a lion. You know, it, it seems like it would be pretty obvious if you were a lion. And maybe if you just you know, like just very nonchalantly forget someone could just remind you, hey, you're a lion. And, you know, that would be it. But there's an activity going on, isn't there? That's blocking the message from a lion to a lion. It gets, it gets turned into something. And I used to think, all right, let's shrink the distance. I'm going to be about four inches from the person. How much can happen in four inches of space? You're a lion. But it doesn't has nothing to do with that. It has to do with how it's being heard. And if the lion is in the act of being identified as a sheep, without any knowledge of that, just the act of being identified as a sheep, when it hears the message, you're a lion, it turns into, it, it's heard as a sheep. Yeah. So it turns into, I can become like a lion. That's not the message. Yes. This message may improve the sheepness, but it's not intended for the sheepness. We're trying to get through the sheep to what you are. Yeah. I don't want to convince the sheep, it's not a sheep. It doesn't go anywhere. The sheep is going to convince itself it's not a sheep as a sheep. It never gets, it never leaves the system. Yeah. But if you speak to the lion of all of us about the sheep, the lion may get it. It goes, and it says, hey, I'm not that. And there it is. There's recognition. Recognition is never I'm that because you'd have to be something else to recognize. Yeah. You recognize what you are by recognizing what you're not. That's the path of negation. At least here, you know, you're at like the fish market and this is the cod kiosk. You know, you're going to get cod, C-O-D. You're not going to get mackerel and sushi and sushi with tons of different shit, you know, like these these elite sushis where they pile tons of stuff into one thing. You're just going to get a piece of cod. You can do what you want with it. 
But uh, you know, I hope to stay true to the message of, hey, here's cod. Yeah, come back eight years from now, there'll be cod being sold. <laughs> it's not even sold. <laughs> There's only free samples put out. You can't buy it because you are a cod already. We're just hoping that you'll get a taste and whammo. Yeah. So, all right. That's it, Mike. Is that all right, Atara? Nice. Yes. Yeah. Anybody want to raise their hands? We got Diana Blue Sky. That's a nice name. Very nice. Uh, Stephen Paris from Glasgow. Hi, Paul. All right, Stephen, we're going to have a, something's going to change. It's not going to be Stephen Paris anymore. It's going to be Stephen of Glasgow. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Cool. It was just uh, when you were talking, I was thinking about like, Ramesh Balsika saying, like, who cares? And is that kind of, so it's the ego that cares? Well, I don't like the term ego, but I, I like to call it selfing, yeah. There's a little difference because when people talk about ego, they talk about having one, you know, or with, they're hoping to lose one. But what's the feeling of the being the haver or the loser to me is the sense of self. Yeah, yeah, it's a different it's a different sense. Yeah. I think it's just a little more it will objectify itself and call it ego. It's sort of like Dracula going on vampire hunts, you know? He's happy to go hunt other vampires in a way of hiding its his own uh fucking nature. Yeah. So I think the selfing is a different feeling than ego. Yeah. Yeah. But I like Ramesh and Who Cares is a great book or was, I haven't seen it in a long time. But when I saw, I went to see Ramesh in India, his, he tried to, his target was personal doership. Yeah. Yeah. He really, uh, he didn't, he didn't, you know, it's, I like it when people just decide, Hey, listen, let's just just ha let's find a key to lock one door because basically it opens, unlocks all doors. But he went with the doership, personal doership, because if the doership is questioned, the whole narration is questioned. Yeah, because the whole narration of Paul is you're the doer. <laughs> yeah. So he was uh, complete, constantly harping on that when I was there. Yeah, so. But, and do you also believe it's up to God if we if we're able to experience no self? Uh, I can believe a lot of things, but I don't have much interest in any of it. Yeah, yeah. I'm it's just here. I'm really here, and uh, I'm looking to be in a sophisticated way dumbed down, so to speak. Yeah, <laughs> with a little flair and a little. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, I know the, uh, see, there's a beautiful statement by Ramana that speaks about free will and predetermination and stuff. And he says about free will, it says, free will is really, I'm paraphrasing, but he says, as if there's a sense of individuality, there will also be a sense of free will. It's like a package deal, yeah? Yeah. So that the program that's producing this sense of individuality, one of its parts of the program is free will. Yeah. So you're not going to, so, <laughs> so it doesn't make any sense to me to try to convince that which is programmed to believe it has free will because it's, belie it's believing it's an individual to go on a three week, you don't have any free will retreat because... It may work for those three weeks, but as soon as they leave, there's going to be that feeling is going to be produced when they're looking at, at, you know, at Starbucks, which are the 50 different coffee drinks I can get. <laughs> so I, uh, and he also said, you know, these questions about predetermination and free will, their real value is to ask, who is it that wants to know, basically? Yeah, just to yeah. use because it seems important to the person. Therefore, that importance is a very good pointer to the imaginary one, yeah? So mm -hmm. you, you turn it on that, and uh, I like that, that view he shared, which is the only real value of all these questions is to see who the hell is having the question. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, but, uh, yeah. But I see the thing I have trouble with all, I love pass, you know, passing on knowledge is great, but you got to see who's receiving it. If that which you're not is claiming the knowledge, it doesn't really go where you would hope it would go to. It doesn't lead to freedom from it. It doesn't. Yeah. It yeah. just, it gets constructed in a more subtle manner, but it's still self, selfing. That's my feeling, you know. So I think there's a, a, there's a need for a, a, some knowledge and then that knowledge does its job. And then there's not a reliance on knowledge after that point. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, there's a, the transfer of information can be in a different uh, vehicle than knowledge. Yeah. You can know before knowing, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Haven't you ever had that feeling? Like when yes. I heard this message one night, one day when I had been, I had been going to see people and I was listening to satsang and I, it was just, I got, I knew it before I knew it. Yeah. And then I lost interest in trying to acquire so much more information. I just wanted to rest on that was th that which was there. Yeah. And I think like it, I think like it paid off. Yeah. In my little experience. So I'm yeah. passing it on. Yeah. But an understanding is helpful because uh, for some of us, there's no way, there's no other way to receive any message but through the mail slot, you know, the self-centered mail slot. So you use, you know, the language is, a, is like a, 
like a form envelope. You put the message in there. The language has done its job once the message is in. Because when the mental state tries to read the message, it doesn't make any fucking sense. And that's great. Yeah. <laughs> because then it's been delivered in a way. That's why we call it, that's why we joke about the spiritual subpoena. You know, you're just reserving yourself. You were already served. Now you're asking me in a weird way. I play a role of serving the subpoena again, but it's a mere formality. You've already been served the subpoena. <laughs> it's, it's a done deal. The funny thing is, we don't know it, but it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Keep coming back, Steve. Definitely. Steve of Glasgow. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Stephen. Uh, Lee. Hi, Lee. Hey. How's it going, Paul? Oh, Lee, good. You? Good. Good. Uh, I don't have a question, but I, I wanted to just share. Uh, I, I just discovered a surefire way to see what I'm not, and that is to hover my computer mouse over the raise hand button, because then immediately up comes, oh, I shouldn't do that, oh, I, fear comes up. So it's pretty clear to see what I'm not just by volunteering to ask a question or raise my hand. Yeah, great, yeah. But, but that's actually not what I was gonna share. What I was gonna share is I, I can recall when I was a small child, I was just being a kid, being myself, and I would always seem to get in trouble and get punished and I finally realized clearly what I'm just being myself is not cutting it. So I need to pretend to be who I think people want me to be. And I did that so well over the years that I forgot I was pretending. And so there you have it. What I'm not is just pretending. And then periodically I can see it and be reminded, oh, I'm not that. But yeah. it's really, I can remember this experience where I just decided I'm going to make believe I'm who people want me to be. And I, I don't think I'm unique in that. I think that it's something that other people can recognize as well. Yes, but remember, you didn't do that. Yes. Okay. It was another way for the head to assume there was a you. Yeah. Yeah. See, that which comes after, which is you, yeah, takes the place of what's before. So we don't start at I am, we start at I am Paul, yeah, or I am Lee. Yeah, and Lee has learned quickly that Lee ain't good enough, so Lee's gotta get a song and dance. So there you go, yeah. It's just, if you can get the flavor of time involved in it, it's, it's very helpful. Because we have lived under an assumption that time is linear, so to speak, yeah that there's a past that's hopefully done now. There's a present. And the only way we can know the past is of the, from the present. And then there's going to be a future present, which is the future, where anything can happen. We don't know what because, yeah, it's not actually happening. So anything can happen. And the mental state has a field day. It's like giving it a huge, huge, huge backyard. You know, it's just shitting everywhere. Yeah. So, 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 so the sense of Paul is made up. 
it happens after the basic event here, which is consciousness and contact, yeah? If you want to call that. That which we have no name for coming through eyes, ears, fingers, tongue, taste, you know, smell. That that basis of everyone's, our all of our lives, yeah? That conscious contact is the primary in in time that's the primary point in time that's the basis yeah then the mental state comes up and manufactures by claiming what's actually happening to imply there's a someone there yeah and then the someone is presupposed before everything that's happening now it's now, now everything is happening is seen that it's happening to me <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then of course you want to get out of this predicament but the thing is you're not even actually in the predicament you just believe you're in yeah and so the getting out of it reinforces the in yeah 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 that's why when we first gave the talks we'd say you know how long does it take to uh, escape from an imaginary place no time, <laughs> you know, what do you, what do you need to do to escape from an imaginary place? Nothing, <laughs> because it's imaginary, yes? <laughs> so what causes a drive to escape by getting ropes and maps and shit like that? We've given, there's been a meaning given to the imaginary place that it's real. If you don't see that assumption, you're going to be trying to make it unreal. And the more unreal you try to make it, the realer it is. And so like, this is what happens. Like we were just sharing earlier. It seems like 20 years ago, <laughs> earlier today. The <laughs> if you and I, and we had witnessed other people who had become self, yeah. And we didn't like what they had or how they behaved. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't attractive to us. And we were aware there was a process of us becoming self. Most of us, if we had any free will, would decline. Yeah. I think I'd rather, you know, let's go for another option. <laughs> you know what I mean? But this, the idea of being self is already historically established in the made up mental imagination. You are one already. So basically, the only avenue you got is to get out of self. Yeah, you don't see it, that that's the form of reinforcing it. And that all, that spell is cast in the smoke of time. You see, you don't see the manufacturing that we call the selfing, yeah? Where, where the idea of you is constantly being manufactured and presupposed, yeah? It's incredible. If you see it, you're not it, yes? Sooner or later, in the seeing of it, there'll be an emphasis on the seeing, and maybe it will be super clear, that's home, yeah? <laughs> you've, you've discovered all the while thinking you were at the starting point, the starting point. And it ain't you. Yeah. Hallelujah. Because you've 
tried so much to try to change by doing outside things, but what about putting it in its rightful place? It's a manufactured afterthought, and you are before it, yeah? That gives you an incredible advantage than you being after it, yeah? You before it has a huge influence on it. Not, you may not know it, but it does. Because it's the light of what's before that lights up its fucking story. Yeah? Through the fulcrum, through the spotlight of self, being identified with Lee is what keeps the fucking stage lit up. Yeah? So what happens is that which is the source of light loses interest in the story of Lee. And then suddenly gains a lot of interest in other things. And Lee, after a few months, starts noticing, wait a minute. You know, things have changed. And I have to begrudgingly admit, I'm traveling lighter and more begrudgingly admit, I didn't have anything fucking to do with it. Hallelujah. You've now recognized its limitations. Yeah? Yes. I just had to get out of the way. Well, you're already out of the way because you were never in the way. Yeah, you don't even have to do anything. Just see it as not you. Yeah, and oh, but it didn't change in a week. Fuck, just say, just uh, see, you know, if you if you feel like there's an event called awakening and you're going to arrive at a condition, which is what you've been seeking for this whole time, yes? free from the bondage or whatever you want to talk about it as. And yet when that event happens, it tells you it's always been there. Yeah. You were, it's never, it doesn't free you from anything. It says you were never bound. Yeah. It doesn't free you from shit. It tells you it wasn't true. It isn't true. That's what it tells you. It doesn't tell you, oh, you've made it through the gauntlet of time. No, this has all been dreaming. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it did with me. If, uh, if you want to call an event, one of them was, hey, it's always been this way. <laughs> it, just ne- it just negated my stories in the past and in the future completely. It just said, nothing, nothing can change this fact. (laughs) Now it can appear to the fact that something can change it, but nothing can change it. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes all that people need here is a little certainty. So if we as a group are certain, it's great. If one person in the group is certain, it's great. You'll get that. You'll get a sense of certainty. Because the head always wants to play. Oh, yeah, it's possible if the right conditions were in place. No, it's possible prior to all the conditions that could be in place. Yeah? I used to have a teacher, spiritual person, and now they say it a lot. They said, hey, if you can't meditate on Fifth Avenue, then fuck it, you know? You going on all these retreats and trying to... I remember I moved to Australia, and it was a very rich guy that we knew, and he had a big property, and so we rented a place from him, like a duplex, like a cabin, beautiful space. 
and he wanted to meditate every day at 5.30. So around 5.10, he'd drive around his big property in a golf cart telling everyone, you got to be quiet at 5.30. Yeah. So he was totally anxious and flipped out about, get, about being at peace at 5.30. I mean, what's the point? He was, ex- he, he, was, f- he was mortgaging the piece that was available at 5.10 with this control piece at 5.30. You see it? It's freaking insane. Well, are you ever going to become well enough, Lee, for ne- Lee to be fucking happy and call off the hunt? Is it? I don't see it. Yeah, it's going to change the obstacle course, add a couple more bars. And then the judges, you know, it's a sadistic judge. You know, you blew it. If you would have just meditated five more minutes, Nirvana was at hand. But you fucked up, Lee, once again. Badly, badly. Yeah, this is this head's playing God all day with us. I don't understand. We can't even see that. Yeah. Well, I have to say that one benefit, if you will, of spending seven or eight years contemplating all this is to finally realize the futility of it, that there, there really is, that all this doing, so to speak, is preventing discovering what already is. Exactly. That's where its value is, you see, because we are of all value. So whatever's ever happened can be incredibly valuable to us because we lend it the value. Just like when people are in recovery, they're all fucked up, yeah? Obsessed with self. And they have a story of the worst thing that ever happened to them, yeah? Like they got stopped by the cops. And, they all, and now that story's been used for excuses for tons of other shit for the next drink. Everything like this. A woe is me story, on and on and on and on and on. Then what happens is the situation doesn't change. They do, entering recovery, and they see the same event as the best thing that ever happened to them because because they got pulled over, they were sent to recovery, and recovery, they got relief, yeah? So their value, yeah, they were giving value to something through the mental state, and that something was the worst thing that ever happened. When a new, a new corporate head entered their life, gave value to that same thing as the best thing that ever happened, yeah? We are the source of all value. It's, it's what's distributing the value through us. Is it the mental fucking state, or if you want to call it spirit or whatever, you can tell the difference. They're, they are extremely different, yeah? The mental state likes to emphasize the contractiveness, yeah, and at the expense of expansion. And the other thing is just very, very accepting and very inclusive. It allows contraction to occur and expansion to be seen through because it's very usually spacious, yes? And you'll be able to tell the tree by its fruits. You will. You've eaten the fruit of Lee for years. Now you'll eat the fruit of something else and you'll see, you know, you know, we don't, we're not two levels below a coconut. We can recognize shit that's working. Yeah. No one's going to tell me it's the exact same way it was 20 years ago in my life. No, 
It may look like I live in the same place. I have the same scars from the same accident, I this and that. But life is completely, completely different at this point than it was back then. Completely. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with the shit that's going on. It has to do with how, how it's being observed and reflected on and shit like that. Yes. I don't see us as causes. I see us as reflections, a reflective ability and an observational ability. Yeah. What the mental state tries to do is give us a narrative based on contempt prior to investigation. Yeah. It gives us a story. Yeah. You can see the new story unfold in your own life when you're freed from that and you're put in a position of neutrality. And in that true neutrality, you can see what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the tree, if it comes with inclusiveness, acceptance, uh, service, honor and gratitude, it's a good fucking tree you're sitting under. Yeah. Yeah. If you're spiteful, revengeful, vindictive, shit like that, hey, yeah. I know neither of them are you, but I'm telling you, the you is a you wing, and it's a it's an it's an art project, really. Yeah. And you can be a brush for some beautiful fucking murals if you just <laughs> seriously. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Anyone else? Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Catherine. Much. Don't get up, Catherine Fox. Stay down. <laughs> we, we will have Stuart from the UK next, and then Diana Blue Sky. I was asking Diana to turn her video on, though. Unless did you talk to her earlier, Paul? I thought I saw her. Yes. Okay, then I guess. Yes, I'm here. All right. Thanks. I'll wait my turn. I'm having technical problems. Okay. Thanks, never mind. Uh, Stuart. Hi, Paul, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. I can't see you yet. Thanks. Um, it's more of a share, really, and then uh, your opinion on something afterwards. Um, interesting, you were talking about being addicted to spirituality. That's kind of how I've been for years. And then I found Zen 15 years ago. <laughs> and then about a month ago, I found your talks and I now think that, that what I've been doing is self-sitting with self. I've been sat on the cushion thinking I'm going somewhere and yeah. actually I don't think that I have been going anywhere. You may be going to the pharmacy for some hemorrhoid cream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, uh, it's suddenly kind of a 180 degree I was kind of thinking well yeah that's been a bit of a waste of time but anyway it hasn't because it was obviously something I was supposed to go exactly. through it hasn't been yeah yeah you can't waste time bro you can't all <sighs> things have no value they're given value yeah Things are empty. In Buddhism, you studied Zen. One of their main tenets is the emptiness of phenomena. Yeah? Everything is empty. What fills it with meaning? We do. Not Stuart or Paul, but what we are, actually. 
we're a much, much, you know, you know, the birthday card of Paul, you know, is duality. It has two sides. You know, we are a much multi-dimensional fucking event going on. Yeah. But you can, I truly believe we are the dreaming of the dreaming. And whatever the value in the dream is, is coming from us. Yeah. yeah. So we can make everything that ever happened to our life to be seen as incredibly valuable. Yeah. If you have the eyes to see it that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Recovery brought me that because I was hell bent on being right about shitty stories in my life. And I realized how much that was uh, enslaving me truly. So I've seen such great value in this life coming through me and others. And I don't believe any one of us as Paul or Vlad or Joe is the source of that. We're the conduit. It can come through. And I would just, you know, have the humility of being right-sized and allow that which can do for you what you can't do for yourself to do it. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. I mean, yeah. So, yes. But go ahead, Stu. I'm sorry, but I... I, people think they wasted time, but if yeah, you I found mean, something has failed, it's very valuable to you. Yeah, yeah, that has, yeah that's, that's, that was going to be my point, the fact that it, not in that way, you, you always learn from something. Yes. That, and um, some, in some ways it's set up, that's the only way we can learn for some of us. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. You can't. You can hear someone say, Oh, 20 years of this isn't going to be, but because we think we're special and exempt from learning from others, we've got to learn it. All right. I did it and I found out it didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, thank, uh, thank you. And it's been, uh, it's been great listening to your talks and uh, illuminating. Thank, thank you, Stuart. Yeah. Just keep coming back if you like. And, uh, yeah. I mean, in a weird way, it's almost like uh, finding, a, finding permission where there wasn't any need for one. But in a weird way, it's like permission to be okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Jesus yeah. Christ. I mean, I just... Uh, you know, we can lose that just by trying to be super okay or transcendently okay, just to be okay and to uh, realize some facts of what's going on here, which is, you know, the great wisdom of no escape. You can't escape from an imaginary place, especially as an imaginary character. So... <laughs> These finalities bring you great rest in a way when something finally becomes clear and it isn't brought up for a review or debate every six months. You're convinced. You're convinced of it. And there's a great moving on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when I heard uh, self can't get out of self, that was yeah, quite a big moment, really. <laughs> Made me think. Ah. Yes. So, yeah. So if, if you see that 
the one aspect of self, the, objectif the objectified self, and then the subjectified self wanting to get out of that, that's the, that's the description of that statement. Self can't get out of self. Subjectified, objectified, it doesn't matter. <laughs> this isn't about at one aspect of the two-ness escaping and getting into the oneness. <laughs> you won't be able to buy shit in heaven with this coin, this two-sided coin. You can't get shit there. <laughs> <laughs> you can be as good as you want to be. <laughs> what do you think duality is? Isn't it subject-objectness? That's one of the main platforms of the whole riffing on duality. It it's, comes to dualism, subject-objectness, right where you're sitting. It's going on, Yeah. How is that going to, you know, conjoin each other to get to, to slip into the oneness? It's like Jesus talking about the camel trying to get through the eye of a needle. The camel has two humps usually, right? Yeah, probably the camel of duality. <laughs> it can't get through the eye of the needle. <laughs> you can disavow one hump all your life from the other hump, but that self can't get out of self. <laughs> so now you've recognized the bad hump and now you've got this su super critical good hump judging you all fucking day. <laughs> yeah. That's the other thing I was going to say. It's funny that since I've been watching the talks and thinking about that, and it, that super critical self has definitely gone up. Yes. <laughs> well, that's what happened. got a lot more to say. When there's a, when the objectified self becomes, uh, when it comes into vision clearer, it's amplifying the critical super selfing. Oh yeah, see, <laughs> uh, people don't know they don't know what's going on a lot of the time, and if they did, then they're helpless anyway. You just got to see you're not that. <laughs> Knowledge that it's going on isn't going to stop it from going on. <laughs> yeah, it goes on as it will, but it's, it's our interest and attention that can be wedded to it or not. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the trick. You can see it in almost in a way. There's the objectified self, and then there's this. Now there's the self that's looking at how I fucked everything up, and I should never have done that, and this and that, and and then there is, uh, and then there's an adjunct to that, which is the witness and the observer in spirituality, which is just another form of self. Now it's witnessing the supercritical self and you're trying to have <laughs> equal, equal, equal equanimity and shit. Give me a fucking break. It doesn't work out, you know. 
praying for others is great, but there's always probably got the mental state's always looking for a a, a payoff itself. Yeah, it's uh, sort of like how are you going to change the parasite into a service animal? You can't. Just see, you're not that. Yeah. If non-duality is really the negation of two, then it would behoove us to start understanding what two means. It's not the number one and the number two. It's a movement here, yeah? It's how things are seen, how they're held, how they're in contrast with each other. So there's seeing, which is happening, and there's seer seen, which is subject-object, yeah? So there you see something happening, which is seeing, yeah? Seeing. And then you see the mental state, what it does. It, it extracts out of seeing a noun and an object. So the noun as the subject saw another noun as an object. Yes? Yeah. And what happens? There's a loss of the feeling of seeing, and now you have an interpretation based on see or seen. This is all that non-duality is negating, is that. It's just saying it's not true. It's not saying it's hap not happening. It's saying it's just not true. It's appearing to happen, but it's not happening. It's not real, so to speak, yes? In other words, if you, if you went into dreaming with a different pair of glasses, you would see things in a different way, yes? Yeah. Yeah, so this is the point so this the way that's happening here they call it duality and the recognition of do not duality leads you to recognizing you're not of duality you're not this paul this thing with a ghost in it yeah and the thing isn't what's perceiving as hoang pope so beautifully said a great zen master by the way chinese zen master whatever can be perceived cannot be perceiving End of story. You may like him, you may not agree to him, but let it land. Yeah? So what does that mean? Well, what can be perceived is this body, and yet the body is used by the mental state to infer being the doer of all the seeing. Yeah? So now the subjective experience is being had by an object. That's not true. Yeah? And so that becomes the assumption the narration is built that we've listened to since we were five or six years old on. It's been based on that assumption. And he just says, you're listening basically like a propaganda channel. Basically, because the assumption it's totally based on and keeps going back to is that you're the one. You as an action figure, as a thing. You are the non-thing as a thing. It doesn't work, it hasn't, and it led to some recognition and then non-duality became an option in a way. They figured they could point it out to certain people and the people would see it clearly and there you go, yeah. Of course, in a capitalist society, it wasn't seen as a great money maker because it's just, <laughs> it's pretty much an invitation. So they said, let's fucking fuck that and let's improve ourselves. All right, there we go. That can go on forever.
you know, as a career choice, if I made it, this was a terrible choice. Non-duality is not a moneymaker. <laughs> Basically, you don't have levels. We don't have retreats. We don't have intensives. We don't have much of anything. And basically, you just put out the information, the invitation, and I don't even look to see who comes to the table or not. I don't care. My jurisdiction's over as soon as it goes out. What You're going to make it whatever it is. Yeah? Yeah. So... Thank you, Stuart, from the UK. Thanks, Stuart. Now we have Diana. And I might have muted her again. Can you unmute yourself? Um, yeah. Hi, Paul. Can you hear me? Perfect. Yes. Um, so I've, I'm not new to recovery. I, I've heard these concepts, but never like this. My brain freezes when I listen to you. So I just try to stay open, heart open. That's <laughs> at any rate, um, uh, blue sky. My late husband was Mohawk. That's where the blue sky comes from. Uh, the other curiosity that I have is, are you willing to share and connect unduality with zenbitchlap.com? How did that originate? I'm curious. Uh, the origins of Zen Bitch Slap, first it was just Zen Bitch Slap. It was something I would say at, uh, cause I used to do, uh, workshops on the fourth step of recovery, the inventory step. And for many, many, many years. And, uh, when I would be there, obviously that which was moving through me would look for ways to say something. Yeah to try to get a point across. And so talking to a lot of type street type of people, we're familiar with a bitch slap, something that happens suddenly. So we just decided to call it a Zen bitch slap. We would hope would happen at the meeting. Yeah. So then yeah. people started getting into the habit of thinking I'm going there to get Zen bitch slapped and shit. Yeah. yeah. So then you know, as Jesus said, not saying that I'm a prophet, but it's a very telling statement. The prophet is never recognized in their own village. I was really realizing that I had become a caricature in recovery community, non-self Paul, fourth step Paul, Buddha Paul. Yes. So basically no one was really listening anymore. They had me the message had become more dominant than the mess. Uh, the messenger was the dominant, not the message, which is not how I see it. So then we had an urge to put it out to other recovery communities. And we had been with CDs, but basically we would just put a date on it. And so no one would know where it came from. And those CDs went over, they went to the Iraq war, they went everywhere. It was really cool. And then we tried to get a website and, uh, and the only people that knew anything about computers was young people, and then they would go back out. So we never got the website done for about a year and a half because everyone would go back out and drink. So finally we got it. And then the people that were there when we did it wanted me to change the name. 
because I said, I want to, let's call it zenbitslap.com. They said, no, 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 no. You know, because Google won't even post it if it's got the word and stuff. So I said, no, I'm, sta- I'm, I'm stubborn about this. I want it zenbitslap.com. So that's how it happened. Excellent. And, you know, it's a little joke on a famous Zen koan. If you know what a koan is, like a mind twister, which is what's the sound of one hand clapping? Yeah. You would, you would ponder what the fuck does that mean? And then, so it's really, what's the sound of one hand slapping? Zen bitch slap. (laughs) That's the whole history of it. Thank you so much. That was valuable to me. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. Oh yeah. It's cut, you know, that called the herd before, you know, a lot of people would come. They weren't happy with that word. I mean, they weren't happy with the Zen bitch slap. But hey, if you get upset about that, <laughs> I'd rather not. It's better if they don't come to the meetings. <laughs> At this moment, anyway. So, yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. But I also used to see these other websites, they had the clear and ever present moment. <laughs> The, the authentic, whatever, all is consciousness, and then Zen bitch slap. Who, which one are you going to go to? The Zen bitch slap, I think. Yeah. Wow. I don't want to go to the same old shit every day. <laughs> so there you go. That's the story. Thank you so much. I so appreciate what you do. Thank you, Diana. Joe from the Bronx. How's it going? So I have one question. Thank God. (laughs) Why am I not that which I can perceive? I hear that said by so many people. You quoted some other guy saying it. You say it. I don't get that. I don't grasp that. It doesn't matter, bro. You will. Doesn't matter. You will. Because the fact is, Whatever can't be whatever can be perceived can't be perceiving. So don't worry, you're gonna get there. I don't get that. All right, so let me just explain how I see it. Could be wrong, could be right. There's no wrong or right, but all right. Whatever can be perceived, you're looking in a square on the computer, and there I am, right? So let's call that Paul. Yes. So you're seeing a body, though. Yes. You are a body, yes? So that's the body is what's being perceived. Now, the narrative in our head is claiming that that body that can be perceived is what's perceiving. Yes? So in other words, Paul is the one that's seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. Yeah? Hoang Po is just disputing that. He's saying whatever can be perceived, which is this body, cannot be that which is perceiving. Yeah? So in other words, the language we're listening to all day and speaking all day is based on the assumption that that which is perceiving is that which is perceived. In other words, Paul is the one who's seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, 
And this is this this is the basis of the story of Joe being Joe, a thing, with non-thing qualities. So Joe is a sub an object, but he has subjective attributes. He can see, hear, feel, taste, touch, but it's the thing that's doing it. That's what's being negated by the message, yes. Do you at least see the subject-objectness of it, yes? I've seen that. I just don't get how it seems like it's a given, like, oh, if I'm perceiving it, it can't be me. Like, it's such a given. Everyone says it like it's so obvious. I don't see it as obvious because everything else I see is what it is on some level, at least in terms of objects. So it's not talking about that way. It's trying to bring it to the, the immediate experience right now of perceiving, yes? That perceiving by the, and the mental state arises and attributes that perceiving to the perceived. So now Joe thinks it's the one that's seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. Do you see that? I do see that. Well, that's what it it's talking about. It's not talking about everything else. It's just talking about the subject-objectness going on right where Joe sits. Yes. Yeah? Yeah. Yes. So the whole identification as self is rooted in identification as a body. Yeah? And, and my mind, my thoughts... Exactly. But what happens is the mind and thoughts, when you think about the thinker, yeah, and the one who has the mind, it's pictured as a body. Yeah. You don't picture Joe as spirit. There would be no picture. You picture <laughs> Joe as a body. Yeah. And then that body's attributed is given the qualities of subjectiveness, which is seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, yeah, noticing thoughts, yes. Suddenly that activity is attributed to the body as the one that's doing the activity. This is the bondage of self. That's where it's rooted in. Yeah? I see that when I subjectify my experience that I'm mind fucking myself. I get that and I can let it go. But but I still am attached. To whatever the hell is in here. Don't worry about it, Joe. Just keep coming back, and I bet you you'll have a different view of it in, in a couple of weeks. All right, thank yeah? you. That's the whole point of these talks, really. We're, we're trying to uh, impress certain ideas, and then hopefully they'll express in your life. Yeah? So you'll notice them, and when you notice them, it will become intimate, and you'll take it to heart, really. That's what happens, yeah. Pardon me, I got to pull a like, lasagna out of the oven. Hmm? I got to yeah. pull a lasagna just, out of the in oven. A weird way, in a weird way, you come out of the tunis, you know, slowly, yeah? Even though you were never in it, it the weird way, it's like that, yeah? So, because... These, these statements are there to disrupt the, the, uh, comfortably, the comfortably spinning wheels of the system. Yeah, they're, uh, they're meant to be like wrenches in it 
so that the system that's projecting you all day stops and then there's a, something that's there. <laughs> and then you get to realize, oh, the product you are buying isn't you. You are buying a product of you. <laughs> you is the seeing, yeah? yeah? Therefore, obviously, if you are the seeing, you're not going to be looking for it much anymore. <laughs> Because you realize, <laughs> I can't use the seeing to look at the seeing. <laughs> this is the message of non-duality. It disarms you because you realize something that was going on in this new light was a mistake in a weird way. It was just a, let's say it's, I don't like to use the word mistake, but it's not grounded in a fundamental truth. It's grounded in an imaginative assumption. <laughs> and then that assumption builds up steam where the assumption is just taken to be God honest truth. And basically everything else gets questioned, but never the underlying assumption. Well, non-duality doesn't go to all the leaves and the fruit on the tree. It goes to the root. That's what it is. And because hopefully the contrast of you are that and you are that will be noticeable. And then you'll, one of them's going to be seen not to be true. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's going to be, wait a minute. <laughs> now, I may have heard that thing about perceived and perceiving, but then the one day I heard it, yeah, isn't in memory anymore. It was an unbelievable avalanche, though I may have heard it before, but the one day I heard it was the last day because all it's been echoing ever since. It's such a simple, uh, it's such a beautiful, it's sort of like instead of chopping down a million stalks, there was one swing of the sword in an, in an imaginative uh, space, yeah? There was no stalks to hit or nothing. It was just a swoosh. It was so beautiful. It took the whole fucking thing off. Whatever can be perceived cannot be perceiving. <laughs> fucking end of story. I mean, it's gorgeous, really. I mean, it is gorgeous. As a, as a statement of, as an invitation, it's gorgeous. It's perfectly streamlined, incredibly efficient, went right down to the root, and there's basically nothing to say. <laughs> I've, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. See, I don't, I don't remember books. I remember a, one or two sentences. That's what causes the avalanche. The avalanche was you can't use the Buddha to seek the Buddha. You can't use mind to seek mind. You can't use light to seek light. That was the avalanche. The avalanche was you can't produce, you can't uh, use activity to produce stillness. That was an avalanche. In recovery, self can't get out of self. That was an avalanche. Yeah. <laughs> They didn't take up one twentieth of a page, and yet they had incredible weight. Yeah, beautiful to me. Beautiful. 
I mean, if you see this as an event, really, the event is is the preamble of the event is a rude awakening, rude awakenings. When you recognize that you're living in a house of cards, so to speak, yeah? To me, it's if you're ready to hear it, it's hilarious. It's great. So, all right, who else? Anybody else want to raise their hands? Thank you, Diana Blue Sky, yes. I'm going to start doing that with people here. It's going to be Sylvester Red Pants. Sylvester Red Pants. Johannes, Johannes uh, Nude Crown. He's got a nude crown up there. John Ate the Canary. Okay. <laughs> Jack, Jack has his hand up. <laughs> All right, Jack, where the hell are you? Are you in the pool still? I'm out of the pool, Paul. All right. Um, <laughs> I just, I, I just, uh, I, I got you a pooper scooper for Christmas and I want to know where to send it. That's all. Uh, I think you should keep it yourself. You may need no, it. I, no, <laughs> I don't need one. I don't need one. I got a service. <laughs> they come every Wednesday. The Poopa Scoopa. Yeah, that's one of my favorite stories. It's one of my favorites. Oh, I love it. And now it's just going to have so much more authenticity. I'll sign your Poopa Scoopa for you. <laughs> can I get a jacket? Can I get a jacket too? You can get a jacket also, definitely. They come in brown. <laughs> There's only one color, brown. <laughs> it's good to see we'll you have a, a neon green poopa scooper <laughs> on it. The embroidery will be neon green. It's good to see you, man. But see the the. the there was a lot in the story of the Poopa Scooper because in that story, the person who becomes a master of picking up shit thinks he has the solution. And therefore, when he's introduced to the solution, which is getting rid of the dog, there's a hesitation that's like 10,000, you know, years because it believes it has a solution. Yeah. Yeah. I see it all the time. We were trying to, yeah. See, the beautiful thing about stories is you want to have a lot of meanings hidden in there. Yeah? So you tease them out as you go along. But, yeah. Yeah, it's one of the most beautiful stories I've, I've ever heard, and it's about dog shit. It's great. Yes, well, that's the talent, you know. Yeah, it's... Uh, I'm amazed at what happens myself. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't have much. I don't really, I'm not really that concerned making people understand how I feel and shit like that. 
but whatever's coming through over the years really want, really has an, an artistic interest in attempting to get across an understanding. It does. And it's persistent. It's been years and years and years. It never gets exhausted or tired. I may, whatever. But I can see I can see the action figures reaction and then the talk. And they're different, you know? Yeah. yeah. So well, that's good, Jack. I'm sorry about your friend. I haven't returned this stuff. Of, uh, but I don't know if I blew it or not, but just apologize for me. Yeah, don't worry about it. She was doing this summit thing with a bunch of different, uh, doing a bunch of different interviews. It probably would have helped pay my rent down here, but don't worry about it. <laughs> well, I'll do that. If she, if she still has it open, I'll do it. It's just I lost uh, track of it. Yeah, no. She's done with it now, but she'll be doing stuff. She'll be doing stuff in the future, so I'll let her know that you're all right. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, thanks for even considering it. I appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Anyone? Uh, we done now? Uh, no. Kaiser's here. Bye, Jack. Bye, Mike. See, I don't know if I can take Jack and Kaiser in in a sequence. You know? Yeah, we can. <laughs> can. We can we have like Diana Blue Sky in between or someone or Hillary or something? All right, bring Kaiser. Where where are you, Kaiser? I'm right here in Minnesota. Hey, Paul. So I'm just reporting. Andre back. has a nice picture of Cod. I like that. Andre Square. That's good. All right, guys. Let's. Oh yeah, really quick. I'm just reporting back. Uh, when I when I said but, uh, there was a time when I was sharing on this forum for everybody who wasn't aware. I was uh, going on, and then I, I said but, which was kind of negating stuff. And Paul, you had said just stop at that but, Holmes, and I did. And then I've been um, when I when I see but to explain my experience, like things are going really well, but, and then I focus on the negative. I've been uh, exploring when I hit that butt to pause for a second and then see, say, and um, it's not a technique or whatever, but I just want to report back that that has helped me explore my experience and it's different um, than what I naturally do. And, and, it, and it's helping. I mean, I'm, and I'm still struggling through things as we do, but I'm not so different than anyone here. And it's been helpful. So I just want to extend an appreciation. That's it. And I, and I got to chime in. That's so perfect because that's what I named the video, butt relief. There you go. <laughs> a, little, a little spiritual improv technique. Anyway, I'm, I'm shutting up now. Thanks a lot, everyone. I appreciate it. Thanks, Paul. We should try to get like a hemorrhoidal cream for that kind of butt. <laughs> hemorrhoidal cream. No, but you just notice it in language. Like you'll be at a talk and the energy is very nice and someone shares, oh, it's so great. And then, but, and then the world begins. It's so weird. And, uh, and if you look at the content of the sentence, it's a perfect example of duality. Yeah. You're giving, you're giving a description of the light, let's say, and then pledging allegiance to the dark, usually. Yeah. It's not you, it's the head, but 
You can be noticed. You can notice it. I remember when I came into recovery, I was so flipped out. I was saying two completely opposite things in the same sentence. Oh, I'm going to go, but I may not go. And it's just unbelievable. My head was just so frazzled. Yeah. All right. Anyone else? Thanks, Kaiser. Yeah, drawer. Oh, drawer. I feel like I'm in a gunfight. Draw. All right. Uh, there you go. Hi, Paul. Hey, draw. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> I want to speak to Bureau. Bureau and then Dresser. Okay. So, uh, yes, I'll make it short because I'm very tired and stuff. But um, no, there was just a. Um, um, I was walking up this morning from a dream that, uh, or maybe I'm still in the dream actually, or still the dream, whatever. But anyway, um, so, um, you know, there is this uh, book of uh, Robert Heinlein about the, the parasite that uh, is actually taking over people and speaking uh, in their name, etc. And in this dream, I had this uh, parasite really like in the book, really like uh, between my... Uh, my shoulder blades, you know, and and the thing is that um, it's illustrating what you're talking about because I, I could the moment that I could see that that um, I could see the parasite actually, then it's uh, it stopped talking actually it became quiet you know and then I was like, you know everybody had these parasites and they were around me and they were very active and everything and I was looking at this parasite and I was like okay when are you going to do something or or say something. And it was just lying there between my shoulder blades and doing nothing. And it was like, you know, what, I mean, what you're doing here? You're not doing anything. And I was waking up like this. So I just thought, you know, I'm talking about this, the artistic thing just to share this dream because I'm always illustrated. So, yeah. That's nice, Troy. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So thank you. Now, the parasite you're speaking of. Excuse me? The parasite. Yeah, yeah. It was. I was sleeping there. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That is, yeah. Mike, everyone, anyone? Judith? Norman? All, all the other regulars? <laughs> Norman, yes. Norman, uh, you're in southern Germany, northern. Yes? Southern Germany? Norman? No, more in the middle of Germany. Oh, middle of Germany. Yeah. Yeah. We got, we got uh, Romans here. He's, I think, in the west of Germany. Whatever. We got anyone else? Richard and Etta? Richard, how you doing there? Yeah, good. Good. Z? I'm going to come over, Z. I got the stuff in the car. All right. Well, then I can uh, I can just say goodbye, right, Mike? I think so. Yeah. All right, Mike, Kerry. Very nice to see you, Kerry. Yeah. Yes. We got drawer. We got dresser. We got armoire. <laughs> we got bureau. I love it. Judith Norman. 
We got Richard and Richard. I don't see Etta. Richard. We got Slotko. Nice to see you. Malcolm. Malcolm's got a plan for me. I can see it now. Yes. Hey. It's okay. We got uh, Raven. Hey, Raven, thank you for the donation. Much appreciated. Hillary from Chicago. Nice to see you, Hillary. Let me give you the... There you go. Yeah, one of these. Yes. I'm pondering. We got John Walker. John, nice to see you. Javi in Barcelona. Good to see you. Trisha of the Void with Mr. Void. Very good. Nice to see both of you. Lee, always a pleasure, Lee. I remember your hospitality in Philadelphia. Appreciate it. Christine, I don't know where you're from, Christine, but nice to see you. We got Walter from the Netherlands. Kenneth from Toronto. We got Tariq. I wonder, where are you from, Tariq? Uh, I'm in Cairo, Egypt. Oh, from Egypt. Oh, great. Nice. Thank you for Thanks. showing up here. Appreciate it. Mike, Mike is a, yeah, he's a mainstay. He's usually out cold usually, but he's so, somewhat awake today. Roman, <laughs> we got, we got Phoenix. Nice to see you, my friend. Joseph, oh, I'm cold you're too. doing well, Joseph. Yes, I am. Yeah? Thank you, Paul. Oh, you're good. Good to see you, bro. We got Rob. Nice to see you, Rob, there. We got Mickey from Madeira, the matriarch. Sylvester Red Pants is going to be there. He's the man. <laughs> He's not the man behind the blinds. He's the man before the blinds. We got Cod. Andre is uh, presenting Cod. That's nice. Uh, we got Johannes. Johannes is an, another German. We got Rich from Northern California. We're from Northern California. We may be close. Uh, we got, uh, let's see. Oh, there's Roman. Yes. We got John Kay, Diana Blue Sky, Brandon, the, uh, our resident, one of our resident musicians. Very nice. Some of his music is used on the website. I think we have a, a place where if you have any interest in putting any music or stuff, you get in touch with Mike or any st written stuff, uh, but we'll have to review that. <laughs> <laughs> so we got uh, Imanol from Spain. Nice to see you, Imanol. I hope I said your name right. Hope so. Good, good. We got Stuart from the UK. Pleasure, Stuart. Kaiser, Chris, as always. Nice to see you. We got uh, Stefan, Jacob from Seattle, Suzanne, M. I don't know where are you from, Suzanne. I was in Seattle, but now I'm in uh, Southern California. I'm in Oceanside. Oh, Oceanside, nice. I met I met you in Seattle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like Oceanside. Yeah. We're yeah. just down in uh, Ventura last weekend or the weekend before last weekend. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. I want to say thank you also, because I have been um, a Course in Miracles person for many, many years, came upon non-duality and then hit a spot where I was trying to coordinate the two. 
Yeah. And I see you you are you are the first person that I have listened to that has an understanding and an expression of of an ability for me to see it through you. So thank you. Oh great. Yeah, well, we're here to serve. So we got Vlad. Vlad, thanks for the cash, bro. I'm going to try to spend it very unwisely. Stefan, <laughs> Stefan Reed. Yeah, uh, let's see who else. Oh, Roger. Nice to see you, Roger. James on the iPhone. We got Kathleen from Chicago. Good <laughs> to see you, Kathleen. We got Jack G from unknown whatever. We got Nina. Nice to see you, Nina. Traveling better, eh? Good. Good. We got Ben. Nice to see you, Ben. Keith, looking stylish. Nice to see you, my friend. Yeah. We got Luca and Raju. Nice to see you, too. Where are you from? Where are you now? We're, we're in Spain. In Spain also. Fantastic. Just I love Spain. A couple of months ago. Have you been to Spain? You there? Good. Yeah, yeah. Good, yeah. All right. Have you been to Spain? I have. I've been in uh, Barcelona and Ma uh, Malaga. Yeah. Okay. I did what some talks in Malaga years ago. But yeah, I like I like Spain. Yeah. We got we got we got Sarah. Sarah's from she's you've left the Greek the Greek Isles, Sarah. I can't hear you, but all right. Yeah. We got Glenda O'Driscoll. Glenda, how's the family? All's well? Yes. All's good here, Paul. Great, honey. It's been great to watch yeah. us together, the whole group, over these months, yeah? Definitely. I've been meaning to say something to you, though. I think you have to keep an eye on your cat. Why? Well, I have proof that... Wait, now, can I turn this around? Yeah. Uh, here. Sorry. Sorry. I think he might be hanging out with some of your old friends. Can you see that? No, I wait. Hold on a second. Wait, I'll try to turn off my light. No, that won't work. Okay, the first yeah. time. Can you I see like... cats? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's your old friends. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I used to speak in this this area called Staten Island, and some of the people that would come were made men from the mafia. Yeah, it was great. It was a uh, I have a little joke. We had this event, and uh, a guy wanted to video it, and the guys who owned the building were these characters they didn't take they didn't like this guy so the next morning he came back and the, all the video equipment was gone <laughs> everyone knew but no one would say anything <laughs> well, so, yeah. for 
So if he starts, uh, if he starts bullying the dog now, <laughs> yeah, we used to call it uh, what was it? Eckhart Tolle meets the Sopranos. That's <laughs> what we used to be. All right, so nice to see you, honey. We yeah, got you Giselle. Too. Giselle's here. Nice to see you, Giselle. Fritz, as always. Rob, Stephen, not of Paris, but of Glasgow. Vlad, Alan, uh, Rick from Northern. Oh, Joe, I think I got everyone there. And then getting the same squares. Some uh, anonymous people, Amelia, Maggie, Harvey, Diana. Well, thanks, everyone. Thanks so much for the, for the platform. Thank you, Paul. Yeah, and I Thank hope to see you guys soon. Yes, yeah. Thanks. We, you know, Thanks, we know Paul. where we are. We're here every week, so mm -hmm. hopefully we'll see each other. See you, Richard. See you, Malcolm. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. See you, Zee.